you may have issues with Christians. <laughs> it may be you're like, I don't want to become like one of them. Uh, and that's, that's, I think, a real hurdle because there are a lot of ways that Christians get it wrong because we are fallen and broken people. Uh, but make no mistake, Jesus is not like us. When you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. Welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. Last episode, I said episode 29, and I was wrong because this is episode 29. Excellent. Last one was 28, but this one's 29. Thanks this for is, providing I, I that correction. I did a recount, uh, and, uh, and I, we're squared away. Have KP, uh, that's what we affectionately call him around here, Kurt Prater in the house. How are you doing, my friend? I'm, I'm doing okay. It's heavy. It's a heavy day. Yeah, it's a heavy day. Not because of your hair, though. You got your no, haircut feel light is for the summer. Away. Yeah, yeah, light cut. But emotionally, spiritually, a little heavy today. A friend's mom learned some news that doesn't look great, and so needed to make a hospital visit. So it's weighing a little heavy today. Yeah, and I think that um, in in pastoral ministry, but also in life, like when we're called to walk with other people, as we're called to do, that this is not to be an independent life. When we say that we're going to bear one another's burdens, that's a real thing. A burden is a yeah. burden, right? So yeah. it's heavy, and that can take an emotional toll. And so, but we come regardless to the word, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and so as you're processing this and as you're walking along with, with people, what's the Lord giving you in terms of encouragement for them? Hmm. Are you drawing from the word and, and you finding in your time in the word as you're doing this life with other people that the Lord gives you encouragement for them? For sure. Because even in a situation like today, I even needed to tell my friend, I, I don't really have the words. I, I want to help, but there's nothing that I feel like I can't help other than to bring us to the word. Mm -hmm. So I was able to read a passage of scripture and let that propel and guide and shape the prayers in the moment and, and just be so I'm so thankful for God's word, especially in those moments, because when I'm lacking, when I don't have the words, here comes God's word. And ultimately that's what we need most, especially in a, in a time of despair for the soul, a time of sorrow, a time of grief, what we need is truth. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because we somehow feel like that's, it's, we need to have something clever to say or something profound to say. Mm. And so we feel like, well, if I just share a, a Bible verse or I just pray for him, that's kind of cheating, right? It's just a cop out. But in reality, it's <laughs> no. like, no, that's, <laughs> that's what we need. You can't better on yes. what God has spoken and, oh, and yeah. what his word can do. Yeah. Uh, second Timothy, Paul is encouraging his young friend, coworker, uh, co-laborer in the gospel that, about the word hmm. and how powerful it is and how it accomplishes great things because it is God breathed mm-hmm. It's from him. It's mm-hmm. his voice. So amen. Amen. Uh, yeah. As you're navigating this life, any other things kind of going on? Well, my time in the Word is in Isaiah. Okay. Book of Isaiah. 
And I chose that because it's it's one of those books that I I like to steer clear of because I typically, as I've just read the scripture in the past, I have no idea what's going on. So that and Leviticus kind of in the same category. <laughs> yes, very, <laughs> very comparable. Yeah. This time I'm trying to take some notes and make a lot of observations. So ask, oh, cool. just asking that question, what what do I see? What's going on? And I, I can't say that something profound has happened. Certainly not. I'm only in the 11th chapter, but I am trying to be disciplined to stay in the word of the Lord, uh, particularly with a book that I'm not stoked about. Speaking to note-taking, we've talked a lot on this podcast with you and other guests about their time in the word, you know, the location, Mm -hmm. maybe a reading plan, maybe how much time they spend, what what are the circumstances around there. We haven't spent a lot of time talking about note-taking, and so the fact that that is a part of your cadence, what does note-taking consist of for you? Like, give me the nuts and bolts. Yeah. Are there certain questions you're trying to answer every time? Are there certain ways that you take notes? That would be helpful. Well, I think in the same way that we're going to take a look at the scriptures, take and read the scriptures today um, and making those observations. What do we see in the scene? What is happening? What are some things that we need to observe and be mindful of? Okay. That's, that's the initial take as I'm reading Isaiah. And then as questions come to mind, I'm not seeking to answer those questions necessarily unless the text helps inform that and answer that question, okay. but I'm actually writing those questions down and can save those. I don't have a specific plan for those yet, but uh, again, it's part of that observation, uh, part of the, the equation for me. And for me, that note-taking component just helps solidify some things for my brain. Hmm. If I'm only reading, um, I may miss some things. Um, maybe if I'm reading and then talking out loud or reading out loud and taking some notes, things seem to settle a little bit better for me and I can focus it. Hmm. That is that focus component for me of, I can chase a squirrel. I can chase that rabbit in a heartbeat, but if I'm engaging the mind reading and taking some notes, it helps me be in the word as I so read. That makes word. it a little stickier. Yes. There's a better yeah, chance sticky is a that, great word. that might kind of linger or throughout the day. That's exactly or, right. Okay. And then does it help you the next time? Cause I've been in seasons of life where maybe I'm doing really well in terms of regular, you know, time in the word, same time, same place every day. But there will be times or in those seasons where I'm like, I don't remember what I read yesterday. Oh yeah. I don't, I mean, I know where mm-hmm. I was and I've got to kind of glance back at the previous chapter. I'm like, okay, okay. Jog my memory. Do you find note taking, over time allows you to kind of do less review before you read or it sticks with it. I don't know. It is helpful in the process because I have a quick resource and the notes that I'm taking are obviously my words and things that are sticky. Mm-hmm. And so I'm able to quickly, like today I encountered the word standard again. I'm like, man, I know I've encountered this. Where is that? So I'm able to flip through the book and I'm, I'm trying to highlight or not physically highlight, but put a asterisk by some things that I'm mm-hmm. are repeating itself. Yeah. And I'll go back a couple of pages like, okay, I've seen this again. The Holy One is mentioned. Standard is a remnant. Oh gosh, here that is that remnant. So there are some things that are helpful in helping it remain in me and then also summarize yeah. mm-hmm. as I move forward. Yeah. Yeah. yeah uh, just thinking off the top of my head, uh, if, if folks listening in right now are 
thinking, you know what, note-taking is a component of my time and the word that I want to add. Like you mentioned, the the structure that we utilize here of asking, okay, what does it say? Mm-hmm. What does it mean? And then the so what or what do I do about it? How does it affect my life? Those kind of things. Those might be some good categories to begin with yes. within a note-taking capacity. And even in that, uh, the what does it say, you're going to be asking the who, what, where, when, why, how mm-hmm. kind of questions of the passage. Try to locate all of the, the details within uh, the text. And then um, writing down what what do I know based on what this says what do I know mm-hmm. about God, about humanity? And then I think another key component, sometimes people are scared, but writing down what, what, what don't I know? Like what information do I feel oh, like yeah. I don't have in order to better understand this? Yes. Maybe it's a language question. Like this seems like a weird way that this is phrased. What does the original language tell me about this? Or I'm confused because over here it says this about God here. It says this. How did those seem kind of contradictory? Yeah. What do I do with that? So writing even questions of, I don't know what this means. Then you have maybe an opportunity to seek that out, pursue that, ask somebody else, say, hey, I was in this, the word and this came up. I don't know what it means. What do you think it means? I love and that. All of a sudden now you're experiencing God's word within the context of biblical community. Mm-hmm. And it's just rich when you're living that kind of life. So I think some good, good stuff. Anything else you want to add about note-taking, things that you've learned? I think uh, I'm pulling from a Chad Warren, personally, having something cool to write with, having something cool to write in. It makes me want to do it. As cheesy as that sounds. A cool journal. Yeah. A nice pen. Yes. I'm kind of a nerd that way. It's it's the Lord's word. Yeah. Enjoy it. Very good. Very good. Yeah, you'll... uh, if you hang out on this podcast much, you'll you'll know that I'm kind of a a particular individual. There's certain yeah. things that I just appreciate craftsmanship. I Exquisite appreciate taste. good things yes. like coffee. I like a good coffee. Yeah. I like a, a good feeling Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, when Granger's on here, he's always sporting the the iPad, and I just <laughs> I need a physical paper, just a nice, just plush leather. I don't know. People are probably listening going, dude, you need to chill out. But I like a good feeling Bible and I like a good journal and yeah. a nice pen. Yeah. yeah. Did you, did and I look own. forward yeah. to that moment in, mm-hmm. in the mornings. I enjoy, I look forward to it. A nice comfy chair. Not too comfy though. I, there were seasons in my life where I'd fall asleep. Yeah. Watch studying out. Studying the word. Be careful. Anyway. Okay. Cool. I've talked to some people, and this was a practice of mine too, that the journaling component would, or note-taking would involve uh, writing down prayers as well. Like if people kind of gave me a prayer request or something like that, I would try to remember to put that in there uh, and remember to pray for it. Or I would put my own prayer requests in there and be able to kind of look back over time and and forget things that I had asked the Lord for. Mm. And you kind of go back a month and you're like, oh, I forgot I was praying about that. And lo and behold, the Lord answered. Awesome. In fact, we got a guy on our team, um, Pastor Brian, who is notorious for that. He keeps a very Mm. uh, consistent prayer journal and regularly checks off answered prayer. Yes. And just, he has seen that over his years, just be a huge boom to his faith. He's documenting God's work. 
He's, he's, yep. he is seeing God at work in the way that God's responding to prayers, which is really cool. Yeah. That's su- super helpful. All right. Well, uh, we're going to be jumping into the word today and, uh, we're going to look at a passage that uh, finishes out Mark chapter six. Okay. So we have, uh, been, uh, seeing some neat episodes in the life and ministry of Jesus through the gospel of Mark. And we've, we've kind of gone through in, in chapter six so far, he's commissioned the 12. This is where he, he sent them out two by two and said, don't take anything with you except the clothes on your back and a walking stick kind of gave them instructions on as you go with this message and with the power and the authority of this message, you know, you're going to enter some homes and they're going to receive you. Others are not. And you're just going to dust off your, your sandals and move on. Uh, and so in that they're, they're relying on the Lord. They're forced to trust in him and the, the power of, and authority of the gospel message and as messengers of, of that divine message and announcement of Christ's authority. Then we have this little episode where John the Baptist uh, or King Herod is hearing about Jesus more and more and more. And he's kind of wrestling with, who is this guy? Is he John the Baptist? raised from the dead, the guy that I beheaded. And then you have this little episode where it recalls how it is that John the Baptist was executed mm. and the conditions of that. And it kind of puts on display just this kind of empty, shallow human authority in contrast to God's authority as seen in Christ, the Messiah. Mm. And so you see this kind of two images of authority and one is very corrupt, vain, shallow, you know, just really powerless. And then you see Christ's authority. And immediately after that episode, you see the feeding of the 5,000. And now you're like, okay, there's this, again, this demonstration where Jesus is showing the crowd and his disciples. And there's kind of a different lesson for both parties in that his authority and his power and his ability to provide and what life is like in his kingdom. It's a kingdom of abundance, uh, even though there's a, a, you know, it appears to be scarce. There's a, a great abundance. So that's what we then enter into this next episode. And we're going to be in Mark chapter 6, verse 45 through the end of the chapter. And uh, a famous episode as well that uh, we will see as it unfolds. So let's jump into Mark chapter 6, verse 45, right before we started this episode and hit record button, uh, you and I prayed, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's a a very important thing to do in engaging in the Word of God, because we understand it to be God-breathed. It's a spiritual book, right? It's uh, The authors are inspired by God so that this Word says exactly what God wants it to say. And we were promised the Holy Spirit uh, throughout the Gospel of John that Jesus would said would say, go on to say that I will send my Spirit and He will give you insight and lead you into all truth and reveal things. And so uh, you and I prayed and asked the mm-hmm. Lord to do that. And mm-hmm. so I think that's an important thing to do as well. Uh, and so we'd jump in. Immediately, oh, by the way, we are reading from the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB translation, English translation. All right. Immediately he, 
Jesus, made his disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida, while he dismissed the crowd. After he said goodbye to them, he went away to the mountain to pray. Well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. He saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Very early in the morning, he came toward them walking on the sea and wanted to pass by them. When they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke with them and said, Have courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he got into the boat with them and the wind ceased. They were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they came to shore at Gennesaret and anchored there. As they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. They hurried throughout that region and began to carry the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. Wherever he went, into villages, towns, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that he might touch, or that they might touch just the end of his robe, and everyone who touched it was healed. So interesting. There's a couple of interesting things happening here, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, we see that word immediately. That happens a lot in the Gospel of Mark. There's mm. this kind of sense of speed. Uh, you know, and, and as we make our way, we just want to be reminded of, of kind of the origin of this gospel. So we, we understand historically this to be the collected preaching of Peter. So John Mark was a scribe recording, um, most likely for the church in Rome, as Peter was preaching there before he was leaving, he was asked, please, you know, what we need we, what are we going to do we need your teaching and so as peter was teaching john mark would record his teaching and so mark is the collection of peter's preaching and teaching with the, that group of christians and it's what we have preserved it's the earliest known account of the life and ministry of jesus and so there is a sense in which it's it's a much faster moving gospel and there are episodes in this Gospel of Mark that appear uh, in Matthew and Luke uh, and even sometimes John. And, and it's just there's oftentimes less detail and it's just mm-hmm. a very quick on to the next, on to the next. And you see it several times. You'll mm-hmm. see the word immediately multiple times throughout this Gospel. So we want to start uh, with the question, what does this say? Do we understand the scene, mm. who's there, what's what's kind of happening in the general kind of narrative at this point? Are there words that stand out or phrases that we go, why that? Yeah, so uh, let's paint the picture. Yeah. They've just gotten done performing, Jesus says, fed 5,000. Immediately, mm-hmm. the disciples are sent. And Jesus draws away to engage in personal worship. That's cool. Later, we see the disciples struggling at the oars. Right. Wind is against them. There are times where I just chuckle. Like, Jesus was actually going to 
past them. Yeah, it's interesting because you have this scene, right? They finish the the ministry of, you know, his teaching and preaching to this large crowd, feeds them. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to go ahead. He he made his disciples get into the boat. Mm-hmm. So he, he tells them, go, yeah. get out of here. Tells the crowd, you're dismissed, right? So he dismisses everybody, goes and recedes by himself. But he can see them out on the water. It says that he... Uh, well into the night, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land. He saw them straining at the oars because of the wind. So he's like looking <laughs> off on some like hillside, going, oh, "Look at those guys! They are struggling." Yes. I love that. I love that picture. <laughs> like it's, I have sat in my house and watched outside as my kids are trying to build something mm. or uh, <laughs> building a fort. And you just you just kind of watch and you're like, oh, let's see how they play this out. Okay, ooh, that's a that's a big stick. I wonder if he can carry that. Oh, he's going to try to drag that across. Okay, that's interesting. And you're just kind of okay, you're just watching. And you're like, gosh, I should probably go out there and help. Yes. Them. Oh yeah. And as a Texan, I, I insert the phrase, "Well, just bless their hearts. <laughs> bless their hearts. Bless their heart." That is an interesting <laughs> phrase in Texas. That's yes. kind of a very pleasant. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're diminishing <laughs> remark. You're like, oh, bless their heart. Yeah. Just. <laughs> Just kind of dismissal, but yes. anyway. Okay, so you see the scene. What, what else is happening? He he is about to pass them. Yes. So he, he sees wants them to pass them. Yeah. He's walking by, and they see them, and they have some form of a context of what a ghost is. I, I don't totally yeah, understand that's interesting that. that they would, that in the Jewish context, there was a belief in the possibility of ghosts or yeah, uh, spirits mm. uh, that that were um, non-physical. Uh, so there, there, yeah, there was a belief in the spiritual realm, ghosts. Uh, I don't know if this was a reference to fallen humans that are now like spirits of of you know previously died or dead humans, or if it was demonic, angelic kind of belief in the spirits. But there is a sense in which there would have been this, like, is this an apparition or something like that? Yes. And the only thing that makes sense to me, based on the context, is A, he's on top of the water, walking on the water. I imagine not well lit as far as illumination, not seeing him all that clearly, unless the, the moon is actually providing a little bit of glow personally so mm-hmm. those two characteristics of visible and then his position above the water makes them think okay that's not just who we just spent time with on the shore that's not mm-hmm. jesus they don't even recognize him it's a ghost yeah and it's this is a a, a tangent that i don't want to go down but i want to mention it oh and that is there are there are people that that will accuse the resurrection of Jesus is not being a physical bodily resurrection. They'll say it's a ghost Hmm. that what the disciples actually experienced in the risen Christ was something like this, you know, what they thought they saw here. Okay. That maybe that's actually what was happening, that they were actually seeing a ghost. And I think it's funny that if you were to use this as an example, the example is that no, it wasn't a ghost. It was actually physically Jesus. Right on. So, to think that that maybe that time then they were actually seeing a ghost, it would it wouldn't be supported by this passage. Mm. But there are those in um, 
that that try to deny Christianity because if you can do away with the resurrected Christ, then you don't have a Christianity, as Paul right. says in First Corinthians fifteen. Mm-hmm. And so, some people will try to diminish the Christian faith and falsify it by saying, "No, what the disciples experienced in Jesus's resurrection was was a ghost. It was a spiritual apparition of some mm. sort. Like, but it, it wasn't really Jesus physically, bodily." And so, that's a tangent I don't want to go down. Right. But just want to mention that that worldview that they did believe in ghosts or thought that those might be real is yeah. what people have appealed to before. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, but that's, that's we're not going to go down that tangent. So they, so they, they're ascribing some, um, they're trying to figure out this scene. They personally are trying to f- figure it out. And then thankfully out of the darkness, Jesus speaks, have courage. It is. I don't be afraid. Climbs into the boat. So he he decides, hey, I'm not going to pass on Mike. These the boys need me. Climbs into the boat, and the and the winds cease. <laughs> I have so many questions here. <laughs> okay, what are a couple? What do you got? Toss those out. There's clearly a motive here that Jesus could have. I mean, I assume he could have passed at any location. <laughs> But he goes directly <laughs> towards them with the intention of passing them. Yes. And wanted to pass by them. Now, it maybe it wasn't that he was going to pass them, but wanted to pass by them so that they saw him. Mm. I mean, we don't know. But I just find it fascinating that it's not like he didn't go out there and just like stand out off in the distance and they're like, oh, it's Jesus. Like, he did it in such a way that it, w- it had to have been intentional. Yes. So what is it that he wants to accomplish in that moment? And I think it comes about in their response. Yes. And he's trying to kind of set the stage for them to, again, experience and come to a greater understanding of who he is. Because what we've seen so far is there are these episodes where they get it and then as this yeah. passage says, they still, still up don't. until this point, they didn't really understand what happened with the feeding of the 5,000. Yeah. And thankfully, Mark brings the reader in and he helps yes. summarize it. To your point, Jesus is teaching a lesson yeah. and Mark helps us understand that. He's making a statement. And so it's like, because of the scenario of him passing by and them having this experience of what is that? What is, who is that? And then they're terrified and he says, it's I. And they're like, oh, okay. Okay. Then all of a sudden that realization connects. Oh, the feeding of the 5,000. Like somehow we're supposed to know here that, mm. that it helped clarify even that episode that just previously followed. So this was like a twofer, you know, <laughs> he, he does something that allows them to in yeah. two episodes realize, oh, this is who he is. Yes. Even though they keep seeing him perform these things, they keep seeing him heal people. They keep seeing him uh, teach with authority and demonstrate that authority through healing and, and the casting out of demons. And and yet here they're like, oh, so that's the 5,000 feeding thing. Okay. We, our hearts were hardened. They were either annoyed because um, there there was a sense of agitation around that event that you see from the disciples, the feeding of mm. the 5,000. Where they're like, hey, these people are 
like we're tired. Like it says that they just got back and they're tired. They're hungry. They just want to take a nap. And he's like, we got all these people here. Let's go teach them. And they're like, uh, can we <laughs> send them a nap, home, please? <laughs> yeah. And he, and they're hungry. And so they continue to minister through kind of that fatigue. And so anyway, mm-hmm. we're not sure what, what's happening there, but. And, and as, as you said, their hearts were hardened. Yeah. Which is, which is crazy. It's not the only time we understand. We don't, we hear that phrase a few times throughout the scriptures. Mm. We hear it of Pharaoh. Sometimes it's that Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Sometimes it's God hardens Pharaoh's heart. Mm-hmm. That brings a whole host of questions about kind of the nature of God and mm-hmm. his sovereignty. And uh, Paul picks up on that in Romans 9 through 11. You know, why why would God make some like this and some like this? And how does the clay say to the potter, why did you make me this way? So there's, uh, again, another tangent we probably won't get into because I think the real question is why would Jesus intentionally set this scene up the way he does? What is he trying to accomplish with the mm-hmm. the disciples? I think as we wrestle with what does it say and and we kind of start to lean into what does it mean, we've got to re- realize the scene is exactly the way it is yes. for a reason. Jesus is building a case for who he is, going back to your, the word of authority. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing even those who are closest to him right now. Yeah. Are still not getting it. Yeah. They're still not getting it. And so let's, uh, let's, let's dig into some of these words here. Make sure we understand. So they're okay. struggling with the oars. There's another incident where there's strong wind. That's why they're struggling. And these are not inexperienced boatsmen. Mm-hmm. They're very experienced. And so the wind is, is an issue. And clearly he has authority over the wind, which begs the question, maybe he wanted this, them to be struggling all the way through the night. Mm long into the night uh, to be in a situation where he, this scene would play out. I, I, I err on the side of God is, is like his sovereignty and there's more of his orchestration here than, than not Mm -hmm. because when he gets in the boat, what happens? The wind stops. Cease. No more. They're gone. So he's clearly in charge as we've seen before. Uh huh in the calming of the storm, right? And mm-hmm. they're like, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey him? Again, his authority. So he's kind of, he's demonstrating all that right here. And he goes towards them, wants to pass by. When they saw him on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Cried out. We don't know what they cried out. They're just like, ah, I guess. I don't know. That sounded pretty good. I mean, Pretty yeah, legit. Maybe a little louder. And he immediately, he spoke with them. There's that word again, immediately. He spoke with them and said, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Three things. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Because it is I. You can have courage because mm-hmm. it's I, and you don't have to be afraid because it's I. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, from having pa- uh, studied this passage previously, um, there's something to note about the it is I statement. Bring it. What do we need to know? So in in the way that the, the Greek language is composed there, and we understand the Old Testament to be Hebrew, the New Testament to be primarily Greek with some Aramaic thrown in there. In the Old Testament, if you go back to Moses... Moses is getting ready to, you know, go in and 
free God's people. He's God's man for the job. He's God's means of deliverance. So he's going to go in and he's going to go to Pharaoh and appeal to Pharaoh, please let my people go. He's got a question though of God first. He says, okay, God, you want me to do this? Because God is sending him. He's like, you're going to go do this. And he's like, yeah, but who do I tell him sent me? And he says, I I am. am. Mm. And this kind of, what? And that's where the, in the Old Testament, they get the word or the name for um, the God of the Israelites, Yahweh, which Mm. is the Hebrew for I am. Well, in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the same phrase is this. Oh, cool. It is I. Cool. So there's something there about his declaration of who he is that's set up in this scene on the sea. Mm. And I think that that's why it's being set up this way, because all of a sudden they have a clear picture of who he is, whereas before their hearts were hardened about the 5,000 feeding and about who it is that's out there. And he says, have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. That's awesome. And it's, they would have understood immediately that phrasing as Jews, that's the name of God. That's God. So he was claiming, I believe he's claiming deity right mm. there. And he set this whole scene up so that they would yet have another aha moment that he would reveal himself. That would have been amazing to hear that statement, that declaration, and then even to have the physical component of the wind ceasing. Right. That. Right. Yeah. Um, Because then he gets into the boat and the wind ceased. And their response is telling. Mm -hmm. They are completely astounded. Because. Because right now you could go, I wonder why they're astounded. Are they astounded because of the, the wind stopping? Are they astounded because they didn't recognize Jesus and they're like, oh, it's him. We couldn't see him clearly. Are they astounded because he's walking on water? <laughs> that's like, can't miss that. That's, that's a thing. Next level. What are they astounded by? And it says they're completely astounded. Verse 52, because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. And you're like, whoa, that's a curveball. Right. So what is it that they're realizing now about the loaves? Thoughts? Okay, yeah. I actually still have that question. So I don't have an uh, answer. I don't have a response. Because that that doesn't resonate. I don't get it. Yeah, it's a weird I don't segue. Get and so I think that when the loaves things occurs... They're, he he's having this conversation with them about, well, they're like, what do we do? Do we send them back into the towns to go get some food? And he's like, you feed them. They're like, what, 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 what do you mean we feed him? He's like, well, yeah, what do you got? We don't know. So they got to go figure out what, what do we have for resources to feed these people? And it's not just 5,000. It's probably more like 10,000 people because right. it says 5,000 men. Mm-hmm. So there's probably women and children. And they're like, we got five loaves, two fish. He's like, all right, give them to me. I'll take them. And performs an incredible miracle. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a unique miracle. Mm-hmm. He takes physical sustenance and multiplies it in a way that no one knows what's happening while it's happening. 
and there's leftovers, mm-hmm. baskets, 12 baskets of leftovers. And so apparently they hadn't comprehended how that played out, but that everyone was fed and it just seemed, I, I don't know if they were like astounded at it at that time or they're like, oh, I guess we had more than we thought. Like we don't get a sense of that. And so then they immediately, he's like, all right, I'm done here. You guys get in the boat. You got everyone, you're fed, mm-hmm. time to peace out. I got to go and chill. And he, he dismisses them intentionally. And then he sets up this scenario where they're not getting it. They still don't get it. They don't know what just happened. So then he goes out there. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he's walking on water is pretty cool. Mm. Uh, on a side note, I was looking up a, a company. We have a, a cabin that needs a new dock. And there was this uh, dock company that builds docks. And on the, the, the landing page of their website, it says, because only Jesus walks on water. <laughs> I thought, man, that's classic. So clever. Yeah. Very clever. Um, but he's walking on water. He performs. That is a miracle in itself, right? It's, it's defying physics. And uh, he reveals himself to him through word because they're terrified. He then affirms says it, I am, have courage, I am, or it is I, don't fear, and gets in the boat, the wind stops. The very thing that was resisting them at that point stops, and they're astounded. And now all of a sudden, they're like, wait a minute, the 5,000, that... uh, Like, it's got to be around his deity. They're realizing now, we missed it. This guy is the same guy that's just got in the boat. The wind ceased for him. He walks on water. He performed that miracle, and we didn't see it before. But now, now we do. He's the guy. Okay, let me play... The opposite to that, and and you speak to this, they were completely astounded because they had not understood about the loaves. Instead, their hearts were hardened. The way that I'm reading that is they were astounded, but in a way that didn't still solidify in their minds this incident and the loaves. They Mm -hmm. still weren't getting it. But we're being astounded almost um, in a limited scope. So that's that's kind of how I'm I'm seeing. So you're saying that. you read that and and that they're still sitting there and they don't understand. They don't understand. They're astounded. Uh-huh. But they're not astounded in a way where they're getting that they're actually understanding the feeding and Jesus walking and Jesus calming the waves. That's the way that I'm I'm seeing. You're reading it as they're still their hearts are hardened. Yes. Okay. But if I'm understanding you correctly, this they're actually a light bulb is actually going off for them now. That's and, the way. Yeah, I understand. I think that they're reflecting back on the reason they didn't understand what occurred with the five thousand is because mm-hmm. their hearts were hardened at that time. 
But now the light bulb goes off and they realize who he is in the the significance of the feeding of the 5,000 mm. is now the light bulb goes off because immediately after this, they land at shore mm-hmm. when they had crossed over, they came to shore at Gennesaret and anchored there. And as they got out of the boat, people immediately recognized him. They heard throughout that region and began to carry sick mats to where, and so this large crowd is now seeing who he is. And this was an episode for the disciples that, that calls out or, or kind of draws out that hardened heart. And that's that, that moment of inability to see Jesus for who he is. And these are his closest followers, but there was a season of their own flesh. um, And they had gone out and been witnesses of his, they were out telling Mm -hmm. people about the coming of the kingdom two by two, the messengers that he had appointed because earlier in the gospel of Mark says that he calls the 12 and appoints them as apostles or messengers that they're going to be special messengers of this um, gospel message. And they had just gone out and they were casting out demons. They were healing the sick. They were experiencing what it's like to be a conduit of God's authority. And they come back from that in the feeding of the 5,000 incident. And so they go just from there to this now moment of continued ministry, but observing a miracle that they could not observe. Like experiencing Mm -hmm. that miraculous event that Jesus does in their midst in front of them, even using them. He says, you go feed them. So they gather, they bring him the food and he's like, watch me do this. And apparently their hearts were hardened about that. Mm. But then on the, in the sea, they see him for who he is. He calls out, take courage. It is I, don't fear. And they're like, man, we missed. And it's funny that they go back to the 5,000. So that must've been just on their mind all night Mm -hmm. as they're out there struggling in the wind. Going, how did that, there are 12 baskets left over. Yeah. We had five loaves, two fish. Peter, did you have some extra, (laughs) what did how in the world, like they're, they're wrestling through that all yeah. night. So clearly it was still there. And again, this is the preaching of Peter. So he's somebody that as he's recounting this incident, he's has firsthand knowledge of why he was astounded. Sure. Because their hearts were hardened. They didn't understand the five loaves incident. Five loaves, two fish feeding the 5,000. That's how I read it. Yeah. Because then immediately after, they get to shore, they anchor, and everyone, imme- it says immediately recognize him. There's that word again, immediately mm-hmm. recognize him. It didn't take long. They're like, there he is. And they know what he can do. They see it, they recognize it, and they're bringing sick people in villages, towns, countryside. They're laying sick people in the marketplaces, begging him. And, and it's by faith, they're reaching out and touching the edge of his garment Just and they're the getting hem. healed. Yes. Which we've seen that incident before, mm. right? The woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years as he's on his way to go heal, um, the, the leader of the synagogue's daughter, uh, and in route, his garment gets touched. A woman gets healed and he says, your faith has made you well. Mm. So these people are demonstrating extreme faith. Yes. And the, the disciples, their hearts are hardened about that 5,000 incident. And they're like, Oh, so I think it's a, it's a demonstration of, and I think it sheds a light on the faith. For sure. And I think as I wrestle with this, I don't know about you, but I can, 
there's something in the experience of the disciples that, that resonates with me. There's a sense of been a Christian now for 25 years, seen a lot of stuff, walked with Jesus, but there are days where I lose sight of who mm-hmm. he is or what he's capable of. I don't have that vibrant, just immediate expectation of who he is and his character, mm-hmm. what he can do, what he will do. And I get very, it's very easy for me to fall into, it's going to, if it's going to be, it's up to me, me generating things, me trying to make it happen. Um, yeah, trusting the Lord for the future as things look dim or whatever it is. There, there's those moments where all of a sudden I get reminded. Yes. And I go, Yes. And I see his goodness in a way that I'm like, I do not deserve that. And yet he's still that good. Man, forgive me, Lord. I, Mm. I forgot. That's one of the beauties about being a part of the family of God, because we have a variety of people, excuse me. We have a people in a variety of stages in their pursuit, their walk with the Lord. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, one of thinking about one of our mutual friends who has come to the Lord is devouring the scripture is seeing God work in incredible ways, small things and then mm-hmm. big things. And because of his testimony, because he's sharing that with us, yeah. it reminds us of the Lord's power and his strength and his work and his authority. And I love the the way the Lord do does that in our life to encourage yeah. us to stay. And sometimes like even with my own kids, I'll get, you know, I, I'm I'm mature and sophisticated, and <laughs> you even just changed yeah. your posture just, just yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> and and my kids will give an expression of just complete simple faith, like, "Well, why don't we pray about it?" And I'm like, "Well, oh, child, <laughs> right?" And it's like, yes, that's the response, right? This sometimes I miss that. Yeah, he is a God that's able. He does hear us. We should pray. That's where we should start, not finish in our struggling through a scenario. Mm-hmm. And and I think that there's this there's this interesting picture here where there's something revealed about the disciples in their own hardened hearts and inability yeah. to see Jesus at work or trust him in the right kind of way. And yet they land on shore and people that don't know him all that well just have barely yes. heard about what he can do or seen what he can do. They have no issues trusting in what he's capable it's of. It's a big contrast. Yeah. These that are in the city are like, if we can just get close to him yeah. and touch the him, he's going to. So and and here are these it. guys that know him better than anyone. Yeah. And have spent intimate time with him traveling and joking and, you know, bunking up out in the wilderness and on floors and just been through a lot and yet sometimes they miss it Mm -hmm. and yet these people are like i just if i can get close if i can just touch his his robe we'll be good so yeah interesting picture i don't know how this lands for you well i'm really thankful that you shared that that resonates deeply with me what you shared the contrast Uh, just even your personal walk with the lord and then what we see with those who have not spent the time with the lord and yet they get it they their simplicity of their faith. So I'm, I'm really grateful that you drew that out. Yeah. So we've wrestled with what it says. 
what it means, and then the significance for us. And again, I'll repeat, I think it's important that we, when we open up to a passage in the Word, we wrestle with what it says, we ask a lot of good questions about the text, we've got to be careful that we don't jump just to what this means for me. Mm-hmm. We've got to wrestle through what what does this mean locally in that moment? And you've got a couple of audiences here. You've got Jesus and the disciples mm-hmm. in this. You've got this crowd that then comes later, and we see that. But then you've also got the audience that would have received the gospel of Mark, that there is something in this even for them as they're reading this account of the life and ministry of Jesus, that anybody who's Jewish in the crowd, they're going to realize that phrasing, take courage or have courage. Mm -hmm. It is I, but they would have, it would have been a familiar phrase to them that was first said to Moses who was the, you know, the giver of the law, right? The one who brings them the law, he's kind of the, the chief all-star in the history of the Jews. And yet here's this phrase again that, that signifies God's identity and that this is what Jesus has just said of himself. Mm. And so in that, that early recipient of this gospel, they would have thought, okay. And again, it goes back to the first verse where, in, in Mark chapter one, if you flip there, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. That's the only time Mark gives us his opinion. The rest of the gospel is about his support of that statement, mm-hmm. that he believes Jesus is the Christ, the mm-hmm. Messiah, mm-hmm. the son of God. Mm-hmm. And here is a statement then that Jesus has made in chapter six, where he's clearly associating himself with that unique title for God, the name of God. Yeah, that it, if I were journaling this passage, yeah. I would have put an asterisk around verse 50, which you just gave right. verbal attention to. Have courage. It is I. Yep. Yeah. And I th- so I think as we, we wrestle with that, how they would have received that, they really would have had to kind of process that and and kind of face that reality. Are they? Do they believe that or don't? Mm-hmm. He either is or he isn't. Mm-hmm. He can't kind of be. And so that then leads us to how do we experience that meaning today? There are going to be times, and it's demonstrated for the disciples, where they're not always consciously believing or aware of who they're with. There are times where their hearts are hardened and they just can't see or remember or rely on who he is and, and what he can do. And so for anybody who's a Christ follower, man, that's, that's a, something to wrestle with. Um, we either believe it or we don't. And if you're not a Christian and you're listening to this podcast or you're wrestling through the scriptures, there's going to be a point where you have to say, I either reject the claim mm-hmm. that Jesus makes. He, I reject the fact that he, God exists or that Jesus is God. I reject it or I accept it. Mm-hmm. But there's there's really no kind of shelf life for an agnostic, somebody who's like, eh, maybe, maybe not. And that there is a reality that we believe in as Christians that we will, we will give an account mm-hmm. based on what we know and what we've done with what we've known. Right. And we believe everyone will stand and give an account before the God of the universe. And it 
what happens from that point on will be based on, did you accept or reject? Mm. And if you're listening to this podcast, you can no longer say that you don't, you've never heard. Right on. And so there's a clear claim that Jesus is claiming to be God and demonstrates that by the power of, re- of his resurrection, that he physically died, he physically rose, and he demonstrates his power and authority throughout this gospel, and that that his teaching is unlike any other teacher, and that it causes life and flourishing, mm-hmm. and it's good, uh, no matter what season of life you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I, and, I, and I think there's the decision to believe yeah please believe and then for those of us who have believed tomorrow even today for me god please give me a tenderness Mm -hmm. in my heart that my heart would not be hardened yeah so i miss seeing you at work yeah please let me be sensitive to see your power and authority that's being demonstrated even still today in the same ways uh, in the same ways that we see here in the scripture. Yeah, buddy. That's good. So if you're listening to this podcast and you're wrestling with who Jesus is, I encourage you to keep reading, keep taking and reading. And I would encourage you to, to talk to somebody. You can email me at takeandreadpodcast@gmail.com, and uh, I'll help you wrestle through it. Uh, if you have lingering questions about, you know, if you have doubts, kind of hurdles that you're like, yeah, I want to believe, but I, I just can't get past this, then yeah, email me. Uh, we can talk about that. Um, but my, but it, it, at some point you're going to have to make that decision, either accept or reject the claim that Jesus is God. Uh, you may have issues with Christians. <laughs> it may be, you're like, I don't want to become like one of them. Uh, and that's, that's, I think a real hurdle because there are a lot of ways that Christians get it wrong because we are fallen and broken people. Uh, but make no mistake. Jesus is not like us. He is absolutely good and perfect. And he makes us more like him, the more that we follow him. And so we're all works in progress and uh, praise be to God that even in our unbelief in the seasons where we don't reflect that kind of faith, he is still faithful to us. And so that's the joy we have in Christ and the confidence we have in him. So again, um, yeah, hopefully you got something out of today. Uh, Leave something in the comments, like, share, all of that helps others find us. And I uh, hope you're encouraged by this time. Kurt Prater, mm. so grateful to have you here. Oh, it's great to be back. Uh, good to have you in, uh, in the studio, in the Word. Thanks for you know the reminder of journaling. And I don't know if you guys can see this on the YouTube channel, but he actually has a notebook and he's been jotting notes. Mm. So um, good modeling and um, reminder about note-taking and how that just causes things to be a little stickier. Uh, so as always, thank you, brother. And, uh, thank you for joining us and remember take and read. Mm -hmm.